This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Aaron Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? <laughs> As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. So, I suppose you're wondering what's been going on with the Right From The Deep team. Well, what's been going on with me is I was in the hospital. I think many <laughs> yes, of you know good. that. No, but, but it was good because it was the most amazing thing. I had so many people from the CNAs to the nurses to the people who clean the rooms to my surgeon, all of them who were believers and who prayed with me and mm. were so full of God's grace and his peace. And I was never in a place where I was afraid. It was so clear to me, God's providence and how he had me in his hands. And even when the diagnosis was that I've developed some kind of lung disease, it's, it's not something that I'm worried about. People kept asking me, well, aren't you afraid? And I'm like, no, I'm really not. And that's purely God. So I'm, I'm here to tell you, guys, if, if you just look at him and focus on him, if you rest in him and his provision, you can deal with anything with that sense of grace and providence. And you don't have to worry because you know what the scripture tells us. If we live, we're the Lord's. If we die, we're the Lord's. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We win, guys. That's the good news. What I find so amazing about all this is that, I mean, you had, what, hypoxia, right? You right. you did not have enough oxygen. Right. That is outwardly, humanly, fleshly, that's scary. No oxygen, no life, you know? So I love the journey that God took you through, even though obviously it was very painful and difficult for you. Right. But I love what he showed you through that. Me so. too. He's a very gracious father. So, yes. Um, and we're so thankful for everything he does for us in the ways that he blesses us. And we are thankful for you guys, our Patreon sponsors. Thank you so much. And we're very, very thankful to our Patreon sponsor of the month, Priscilla L. Shero. Thank, Thank you, you, Priscilla. Priscilla. And you can find out more about her on her website. It's PriscillaShero.com. It's P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A-S-H-A-R-R-O-W.com. I love what she's writing about. She's writing about her experience with traumatic brain injury. And wow, I've heard of several people that have been dealing with that. It is a thing and it is difficult. So guys, do check out her blog and see her wonderful hummingbird pictures too. <laughs> okay. And now, Here's, Here's the, the show. show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the deep. You can hear I'm excited today because I'm always excited when we have an interview. And this time I'm especially excited because we have none other than Liz Curtis Higgs here with us. Karen, give us an introduction. 
Well, one of the greatest delights of my career has been working with Liz. I just, she is a sister of my soul, my heart, my spirit, and humor. We have so much fun whenever together. And we were just talking about it before we started the podcast. I think we have known each other now for 23 years. <laughs> I met her when I was 10. And we just, we, we have had such a good time in all these years, not just because of a shared crazy, wacky sense of humor, but also because Liz is one of those rare people who knows how to laugh, but she also has such amazing spiritual depth to her. She's so open to God. And I remember when I met her husband the first time at a Sandy Cove Writers Conference, um, Liz was there as a speaker, and he came, Bill, wonderful guy, he came and met with me, and he said that that Lizzie was interested in writing fiction. And, <laughs> and I didn't know who Liz was because she was nonfiction, and I was fiction but boy once we met it was just let's take off and let's have fun with this in fact i went and i listened to her keynote and i laughed so hard that it gave me an asthma attack i had to run out of the room coughing and choking and she told me she saw me run out and she thought to herself oh my gosh i've killed her <laughs> so, I, I had the delight of acquiring her first fiction for the Christian market. It was for Multnomah. That was a book called Mixed Signals, published in, did we say 1998? 99. 99. Since then, the amazing Miss Liz is the author of 37 books with 4.6 million copies in print. <laughs> And her latest release, 31 Proverbs to Light Your Path, shows how 31 nuggets of truth reveal God's faithfulness. So, Liz, welcome, welcome. It's so good to be with both of you. I love the whole concept of your podcast, Deep. I hope it <laughs> speaks to Deep today. <laughs> Me too. That's great. Thank you, Liz. Um, so we always ask our guests, first and foremost, what does the deep mean to you? Hmm. Well, the simple answer is the not shallow. <laughs> yeah. The uh, and and I really actually do mean that because it's so easy to skim across the surface of everything. Even our very lives can become a surface experience. Maybe in part because of social media, um, and the ways we connect with each other, short little text messages, little tweets on Twitter, and so forth. Your life is reduced to a handful of words and some photos that you've carefully curated. Right. So deep is the opposite of that. Deep mm -hmm. goes all the way to the soul. Mm -hmm. Deep goes where you're not really always excited about taking people. Um, <laughs> the real you with all the ugly and all the pain and all the disappointments, um, the fears, the doubts. And yet, it's the richest place of all. I think when someone allows you into their deep places, it's a huge compliment. It's a huge leap of faith and of trust. And actually, I believe it's where God asks us to live. Hmm, it's I agree. in the deep with him and then with anyone that we trust to be with us there. And oddly, even though we know more people, I think, than we've ever known that's kind of with a small K, no. Right, yeah. It's not the biblical no, as in he knew her in the biblical <laughs> sense. <laughs> that intimate, and in, in mean that in a very positive way, that intimate knowing that is just reserved for people that we trust. And that number for me is shrinking mm -hmm. 
even as the number of people you know at the surface level expands exponentially, try and say that a hundred times real fast, um, I think those we go deep with, we just choose with care. We choose with care because we don't want someone to take what we reveal in the deep and scatter it in the shallow. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's tough, and and you're exactly right because we live in a a world that is so keyed in, at least in America, <laughs> that's so yeah. keyed in to social media. Uh, we've lost that art of spending time together and savoring and having fellowship together. I think that's one of the reasons I like doing video calls more than phone calls because phone calls are fine, but I want to see the faces. Mm-hmm. I I want to. I want to feel as though I'm right there with people able to savor that time together. And yet, even though we have that capacity, we don't take advantage of it very often. We've talked on this podcast about the importance of having support people around you when when you're working to fulfill the task God has given you as a writer. And I think it takes great wisdom for the people that you invite to, to choose the right people into the deep with you because they have to be people, like you said, who won't be careless with mm-hmm. what's happening with you. But at the same time, they need to be truth speakers. That's what I love about you and about Aaron. You know, you guys speak truth into my life. And when I need the hard lessons, you're there to say it. And, and I can receive it from you because I trust you so wow. deeply. Yeah, it's a real gift, that yeah. friendship gift. It's a whole special level. And I think one of the real keys, Karen, is that we have known each other for such a long time. Right. Um, A new friend, um, you're still kind of testing each other and (laughs) seeing how deep do they really want to go. But when you've known somebody for years and have seen them at their best and at their worst, and you've seen that they don't change, they're not here, there, and everywhere, but they're solid, you just trust them a whole lot more. I mean, maybe that's just an obvious statement, but old friends are rare uh, and in some ways becoming rarer because again of how we live and how we do life what do you think that that can mean for writers today you know we've been talking about in the past about how writers are being called to do more and more of the marketing and they're called to be on social media and they're called to get this known in the little little k they're called to be known by so many people and to have all these superficial relationships that's all they have time for what what kind of advice or words of wisdom would you have for somebody trying to deal with the balance there how do they find this deep friendships when all their time or so much time is spent on the little k known I guess I can only speak from how I've done things and I've been doing it a long time. So that Mm -hmm. makes a difference. For me, I have tried to minister to people. I never think about building a platform or developing a following. Those those kind of phrases, which frankly, publishers love to use are dangerous Mm -hmm. because they encourage the shallow. Um, For me, it's all about ministry. Ministry might be a very simple, quick email to someone who's reached out to me just saying, hey, babe, I hear you. I've Mm. read what you've shared. I get it. I hear you. And I'm going to pray right now as I hit send. And and I do. I Mm -hmm. never promise people, oh, yeah, I'll pray about that for you, suggesting that, you know, they're going on some permanent list. There is no permanent list. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to suggest that there is. Maybe there should be. (laughs) 
But I promise what I can do and what I can always do is stop at that moment, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, a tweet, email, whatever. I certainly can stop and say right then, Lord, can we talk about Karen and her needs or Beth and her needs or Sue and her needs? And it's a joy and a privilege to do that. And it doesn't mean, okay, good, check that off the list. It's not that. It's just keeping a promise that I've made. Hmm. But I've now been at this so long. Um, I've been a believer for 37 years. Uh, Not wild. And so um, does seem like yesterday in many ways. Um, So really from the day you meet Jesus, you're ministering to people, whether you know it or not. At some point you may raise your hand and actually say, this is what I do all the time. But the truth is, even if you work at something that has nothing to do with quote ministry, you're ministering all the time. It's who we are. It's we're built for that. Mm. So those of us who've been given a particular ministry of words, whether spoken or written, that again is something we're doing all the time. And so when I have a book coming out, all I think about is how can I minister to those dear people who have crossed my path over all these years? How can I minister to them as I tell them about this book. So it's not just the book I hope will minister. I want even the promotional piece that I create or the time we spend in an interview. I want it to minister if they never buy the book. Is that making sense? It's, yeah, it, it is. Absolutely. And it's, it's so much a part of the fabric of who you are. That's one of the first things that I recognized about you when I met you is that your heart is for people. It's yeah. it's not your heart is for speaking, your heart is for writing, your heart mm-hmm. is for loving, for it, God gave you so much and so much grace and you recognize that and you look at that and you just, that flows through you to anybody who's around you. And there's no sense of superficial about you. And that's a rarity, especially in today's world. It was rare enough back when we first met, but in today's world, that's extremely rare where you look people in the eye and you spend time with them and and you let them in in such a way that God can speak to them through you. And that's that's who we're supposed to be. That's as believers. It's not that we're perfect and we're all fixed and everything. It's that in our brokenness, God can speak to other broken people. We um, just recently had a podcast that came out talking about when God's answers aren't exactly what you were hoping for. Mm. And you've been through a pretty tough situation with the cancer that you've been facing. And I'd really like for you to share with our listeners um, as kind of a follow up to that. You may not like God's answers to your prayers, but you have said something that to me is astounding but it's not surprising because God does the astounding. You said, as we were getting ready for this podcast, cancer is one of the best things that ever happened to you. I know. It sounds really crazy. <laughs> and I suppose, I suppose I could blame chemo brain, except uh, I'm, let's see, at this point, 14 months past my last chemo. So I, I can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> I'm now back to my own gray matter for what it's worth. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Okay, nobody signs up for cancer. And to say I was excited when I was first diagnosed would be, of course, crazy. Mm. In fact, what I said to my oncologist, I I waved my calendar, my printed off calendar. (laughs) And I said, I have no time for this. (laughs) 
<laughs> she said, Lizzie, you're just going to have to make time because we have to address this cancer. It's real. It's there. And there are so many, you know, a number of ways we can deal with it, but all of them are going to require time. So I went to the Lord and I said, okay, Father, my calendar is actually yours. My time is yours. My life is yours. And Lord, you knew what all these commitments were. You knew what was coming and still you brought these commitments my way. So I believe, Father, that you want me to actually keep going and squeeze in some cancer stuff. Well, so <laughs> last year, 2018, I ended up doing 52 events. That is twice what I normally do in any given year. 52 speaking wow. events. I know. And had 20 cancer treatments. That is just crazy. And it is not, oh, isn't Liz amazing? Are you kidding? This comes under the category of, oh, wow, is God amazing? Because he made it clear I was to keep my commitments. I only missed two events in 2018. And both of them broke my heart because I didn't want to miss anything. But actually, it was in 2017. It was the, the start of the cancer journey. I was in the hospital. It was such a nuisance, but I, I just couldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> they should have brought them all to your out. room. <laughs> yeah. I, I had this vision, you know, of in the movies when they leap out of bed and they yank all the IVs out and they run down the hall <laughs> with their, their uh, hospital gown flapping. But I thought about what that might look like and decided to picture <laughs> so ugly. I better just stay in bed. <laughs> so I, I did miss two events uh, through the whole cancer. Uh, and I don't call it, by the way, my cancer journey. I call it my cancer adventure <laughs> because it has been adventurous. God has taken me places I not only have never been, I, he's taken me places I didn't even know I wanted to go. Hmm. And the, the most life-changing place was to stand on the tiptoe of eternity. Um, because I went through all the chemo and all the radiation and all the stuff. They said, oh, Liz, we're certain we have all this, but we're going to go ahead and do some scans just to be sure. And wouldn't you know, they found another tumor, size of a golf ball, which really ticked me off because I don't even play golf. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, I thought this wasn't going to happen. And they really, they were, you know, the color drained out of their skin. They said, we, we didn't expect to find this, Liz. And I said, well, you know what? God did. This is mm -hmm. no surprise to him. So um, let's carry on, friends. What do we do next? And uh, so it was such an opportunity not to test God. This can, My cancer was not about testing God or him testing me. It was about this adventure of grabbing his hand and saying, Lord, I'm just going to leap into all this with you. I trust you completely. And so when it came time for the next set of scans, they were not saying, no worries, this is gonna, <laughs> you know, we all kind of stood on tiptoe to see what would happen. And so when it came back, no evidence of disease, I'm going to tell you the truth. First thought that came to my mind was, well, shucks, <laughs> because I had had in those three months, three months, February, March, April, May, do four months, I had time to prepare my heart for stepping into eternity. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty excited about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, Lord, where else would I want to be? There's nowhere else. It's it's what all of us are waiting for, whether we know it or not, 
every day you wake up, this could be the day. And when you have cancer, you're even more aware of that and sort of tuned up to the idea. So I was like ready. And so when he said, nope, you're good. So the first thought was all shucks. And the second was, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to write that book after all. Because <laughs> I was on, as I always am, on a book deadline. Okay. And I, you know, seriously, it's like, well, okay, more books to write, um, which I know sounds crazy. But that, you know, that really, those are the two things that came to mind is, okay, I'm, I'm not done. God still has work for me here. And then, of course, I embrace that. If that's where God wants me, then here's where I want to be. Um, but once you have stood on tiptoe and looked at eternity, what it does for your fears is kind of amazing mm. because it blows them all out of the water. What are you afraid of? If you're not afraid of death, I'm not even afraid of like the lead up to death, um, which used to be what really scared me. Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that, except for the believer, even that part won't be scary. That's what I know now. Hmm. I know that however bad it gets, God will be with me. The big aha of the cancer adventure is the faithfulness of God. He is so faithful. Everything his word says about him is true. I've been teaching that for 37 years. Now I know that I know he <laughs> is exactly who he says he is. I would trade nothing for that discovery. It was amazing. So there you go. <laughs> isn't it isn't it astounding that when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want, our first reaction is that he isn't faithful? And mm. really the exact opposite is true. It's to show us that he is faithful. Yeah. I believe it's, that with all my heart. It's so hard for us to embrace that and to rest in it because we feel that so much of this is on us. You know, I, you guys know, and some of you listeners know, I was just recently hospitalized for nine days. I've developed some kind of lung disease and there were two procedures, both of which they said my oxygen levels were so low I could stop breathing during them. And so, you know, I, I did that standing on tiptoe and, and I gotta say that if it hadn't been for the foundation that my parents gave me in their example of living out faith every day, if it hadn't been for the foundation of spending time in the word and getting close to God, if it hadn't been for the foundation of everything I learned about God when my husband and I were separated and 20 years of counseling, it's like everything had been in preparation for this moment. And, and I was never afraid. I, I was, I can resonate to what you're saying, Liz. I was like, well, okay, if, if you still want me here, I'll be here. But if it's time to go, bring on the, the transport. I'm ready, you know? yeah. Beam me up, baby. I'm That's ready. Let's exactly do it. right. And and it does change everything. It when when I came home from the hospital and I could play with my dogs, when I stepped outside this morning and the rain had made all the fragrances in the valley so rich and resonant. All I could think of was the earth is declaring your glory and and I'm so glad to be here to see it, but I can't wait to see it in person. You know, it's there's a sense of anticipation mixed in with, you know, God, I know that you will take care of those that I leave behind. But that sense of anticipation is so profound. Mm -hmm. 
It does make those who love us nervous, though. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. least it did my kids. Yeah, like, it did my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's such an exciting thing to look forward to. So through the midst of all of that and, and for all of the good that that was, there probably were a few points here and there where you felt discouraged or down or frustrated or any time during your career. What do you do? What helps you when you're feeling discouraged? Well, you know, I'm called an encourager, so theoretically, I'm never supposed to get discouraged. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> but, of course, I do. Yeah. I, I love prayer. And for me, prayer is an ongoing conversation. I, I have never um, done the thing where you sit down and you pray for 10 minutes. That's just, that's great if that works for you. I have an ongoing conversation. I almost wish, you know, I don't know if your cell phone does this. I'm not happy about this particular uh, quality, but it tells me how many hours I spend on my iPhone. I just hate that. Yeah. Why did they do that? I don't know, but it's, it's, it is nothing but convicting. There's nothing about that. number. (laughs) However, what would be kind of fun to know is my God time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because I, you know, I don't know who would ever keep track of such a thing, but my heart's desire would would for it actually to be 24 hours a day, at least the waking ones. Although, you know, we know he speaks to us in our dreams. And so God is ever speaking. The question is, is Lizzie listening and then responding? And so, uh, but, you know, for me, prayer is just ongoing. I pick it up just like, oh, and another thing. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, did I mention? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, Lord. That's other thing, too. I hope not to be flippant. I never want to not be reverent toward the Lord. But he is so close to us. You know, we don't have to go to a particular place and do a set of things to make that intimacy with him is real. And it's all the time. It's one of my favorite things to to talk to an audience about, because we often think we have to usher him into our presence. <laughs> he's gone. He's everywhere. Yes. So he's, he's in your writing study, whether you invite him in or not. Um, and so... I remind myself of that all day long. It also really, can I just say this, helps my behavior. (laughs) If I think in terms of the Lord is going to see it all, Uh, even the things in my mind. Um, I just taught this past weekend on that uh, scene with Sarah when God and two angels show up to tell Abraham, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And she's in the tent listening. I did such a visual there, peeping in the tent flaps. And she laughs to herself and thinks, not says, thinks, you know, at my age, this is the LRV, the Lizzie Revised Version, shall I now have this pleasure? (laughs) The Bible has so much humor in it. Do not say that it's a a dull and boring book. It's so not. But then, of course, God says, why did Sarah laugh and say? And what a freak out that must have been for her (laughs) to understand she thought she didn't laugh out loud, but God heard it. She <laughs> thought she thought, but he hears our thoughts. So the scary thing is he knows it all. And the delightful thing is he knows it all oh, yeah. and is with us even so. What a comfort. What an encouragement. And as a writer, as a woman, as a, a believer, I just take so much comfort in knowing that God is constantly 
present, that I don't have to reach out to him. He is here guiding my thoughts, guiding my words. And as I said, if I'm aware of his presence, he's even guiding my behavior and heaven knows I need it. So I'm grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't mean I don't mess up, by the way, I still do. But at least a little more quickly, my reaction is, sorry, Lord. Yeah. (laughs) A little more quickly. (laughs) I've, um, I've been aware lately, you know, in, in working with dogs, I've had dogs my whole life and training them. And, and I have one little guy who is just over two years old, a a, um, Boston Terrier Corgi mix named Radar. And he is just solid enthusiasm and working with him and training him. He's just so full of energy that he'll be sitting and he'll be doing great. And then the next thing I know, he jumps almost to the top of a cabinet and stuff. He's just out of his freaking mind. And, you know, most of the dogs that I've worked with, because I'm consistent with them and, and they train and they get it, but radar is just, there's so much that he just can't contain about himself. And I think to myself, this has got to be the way God has felt in working with me because, you know, he's so patient and he's so consistent and I'm just constantly going off the rails and and yet, there's such delight in that enthusiasm and in that excitement. And I think God delights in each one of us, in our personalities. And, and even in the struggles that we face, He delights to be there and to draw us out of them. Can you share a final thought with our listeners, mm-hmm. one final pearl of wisdom about something that they can do even today? to find a sense of encouragement in the face of discouragement, to get their focus where it needs to be? Oh, the answer is so predictable, I'm afraid. (laughs) And that's to get your face in the word. It's all that works for this girl, is I get that Bible open. It almost doesn't matter where. Mm -hmm. But just, although I have to confess, I'm usually going to turn to the Psalms. Um, Mm -hmm. David's writing is so powerful and so honest. I mean, he's quick to tell you, it's terrible, Lord. You know, I, just love- <laughs> oh, I, I love David because he's a whiner. Oh, I, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And yet then a praiser, you know, one song yes. to the other. He really needed a better editor. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the fact that David is so, you know, yay, boo, that, um, <laughs> that we have, we can identify with them at many, many different places in our lives. And so for me, it's just kept my face in the word. And I don't mean read, you know, for 10 minutes. Again, I'm not that girl who right. has this organized check it off plan. Never. <laughs> but I know right where to turn. And I don't dally about it. I get my face in the word. I make sure I have the word everywhere available um, so that I can dive in hear his voice. This is how he speaks to us, friends. And when we listen to the love woven between the lines, when we sink into the deep truths of his word, it's amazing how it will calm my spirit, help me take a deep breath and press on. I feel it's important that I throw something in since this is for writers. You can use this or not, but The one thing that has been hard to do through the cancer adventure is to write. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest part. I'm still speaking with no problem because, let's face it, this girl never runs out of words. (laughs) But the written word has been hard for me. And I want to say that because if anybody is dealing with any kind of anything that involves pain or medical stuff, 
and you're wondering, well, why can't I get it together? You know, the Lord knows that about us. And I think those words are cooking inside us. And when they're cooked, when they're ready, I believe God will pour them out richer and deeper for the time spent cooking inside us. But it is, it's hard for me because I'm, you know, I've pretty much put out a book or sometimes two every year. And it's been a little while now (laughs) since I've had a book out. And, you know, that I've kind of been, I don't know, getting through cancer and that, but I'm through it now. So now it's time to get back to the writing. And I'm just praying that God will use what I've learned and pour it onto the page. But I just want to give permission to your writer friends. If they're going through some physical challenge, it definitely can affect your writing. And that's okay. That's Mm. absolutely not just okay. God is in that and God will use that. Well, Miss Liz, I love you. So happy to have this time with you and to share your wisdom with our listeners. Friends, you can check Liz out at LizCurtisHiggs.com. Is that right? That's me. And my favorite place to hang is Facebook. So come on over there, Liz Curtis Higgs on Facebook. I'm on every day. I respond to people. It's a connection point for me. We'll put uh, links in the show notes for you guys. There you go. Thank you so much for being with us, Liz. May God continue to watch over you and bless you and anoint your words. Thanks, dear ones. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Amen.